Hey, I'm Dave Rubin, and before we get to business today, just a quick reminder to click that subscribe button and the little bell there so that you actually might get notified about our videos. You know, as long as we're doing them, you may as well see them. All right, joining me today is the host of the aptly titled David Webb Show on Sirius XM and Reality Check on Fox Nation and an old buddy of mine, David Webb, finally. Hey. This is crazy, man. Welcome to the Rumor That's Report. That's right. Two Ds together again. Two Davids. <laughs> we'll see what happens here. So it is actually, I just said to you before we started, I mean, I've been doing this show now, some version of this for five plus years. I don't know how you have not stepped in the studio. I mention you often and, and we're good buddies and we go back a while, but our paths I think both our audiences are wondering who the other one is. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, like is you touch down and I'm taking off. Always. Or I touch down and you're taking off. And for everybody watching, literally you and I have said, where are you? I'm landing I'm here. Landing. No, I'm, I'm at the airport going here. And this has happened so many times, it's not even funny. Yeah. All right. We've done plenty well, it of that. it is kind of funny. It is kind of funny. Yeah. So we have an interesting history together because when we got to know each other, was about seven, eight years ago. We were both on SiriusXM. You were on the Patriot Channel, as you as you still are. I was on the OutQ channel, because that's, that's right. where they put the gay people. <laughs> I wanted to be on a political channel. You had channel. to be in your box. Yes, because it's kept separate but equal, my friend. There we <laughs> go. You know, it was an equal <laughs> channel, but, set, but they had us also in the corner. It was a little weird. But I really wanted to be on one of the political channels, and I had met with all of them there, and I said, I'll do the, I'll, you know, at the time yeah. I was a lefty, so I wanted to do the lefty, but I said there was a, a POTUS was sort of the nonpartisan. I said, I'll even do the right channel and let me be the lefty on the right channel. They kept me on the gay channel, so be it. But you were the first guy there. We must have, I don't even remember how we met, probably yeah. just in the hallway. And we started talking politics, and you knew we had some differences. It was very obvious. And some similarities. And, and some similarities. Yeah. More, more now. Right. Um, but basically, I started doing your show every couple weeks, and we would talk about all our differences. We never punched each other. Uh, often, we'd go out for bourbon or a steak after. There might have been a bourbon or two. Uh, there, I think or there was three. a bourbon or two. Yeah. You, and you have a very high level of bourbon. Um, but that almost feels like a, another time already when people used to do that. Yeah, and here we are today in an environment where, yeah, it's become more polarized, but I've also seen more people move to the center. And I think that people can focus on the polarization. They can say, okay, you're either this or you're that. But look around the country and talk to the people you work with. Talk to the people you interact with, you work out with, whatever. And you find that more people are starting to drift into the center and maybe deliberately pull others with them saying, hang on a second, let's pick an idea or values over a party. And I like that. Look, I'm a Republican, and I, I tweeted this out. I, 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 I was a Republican because my parents taught me, and I'm paraphrasing myself, which is probably, I can't <laughs> quote myself. You're loosely quoting yourself. I'm loosely okay. quoting myself, yeah. which is no longer plagiarism. Yeah. Uh, but I basically said, you know what they said, think about your values, what fits, and make your choice. They didn't say this is your choice, because what do we get from our parents? Typically, you get a sports team, maybe a religion, you know, a couple of key things, because that's what you grow up with. And I wish more people had that. I made my choice, and they respected my choice, because I could explain why. Yeah. And I think we're getting back to that for many people. I think they're just sick of the, you know, you got to be in your out cue box at that time, and I got to be in my Patriot box. They little, I don't know if you knew this. When we launched a Studio 54 channel, mm -hmm. and Dave Gorab was talking about it, we were joking. I said, Dave, he's, let he's me, one of the execs. One of the execs at Sirius, and we both know, great guy. And the guy I called my boss, and he says, you can't do Studio 54. And it wasn't a bad thing. It was because everybody knows you're on the Patriot channel. I said, what do you think? We all were conservative without a party side. Right, right. You know, it's just we don't fit. And you and I didn't fit. Yeah. You know, we, we, I think we knew it all. And, and, and not fitting is actually the cool thing. And, and I think you're right. It is the new thing. And, and people are sort of exhausted by those two crazy things. So I have to ask you one thing, which I, I hate to ask. But we'll just do it for a second here. All right. According to this thing here, you're black. Is that right? Well, that depends on who you talk to. <laughs> Is that well, a teaser for an upcoming? Well, okay, because you're a conservative, and people, right. there's still, no matter how many black conservatives I meet, and there are so many of them, obviously, and the color of your skin should have nothing to do with your political beliefs, somehow, if you're a black conservative, uh, you're, you're, they, they think of you as you're an anomaly, or, yeah. you've got Stockholm Syndrome, I, I've heard it all. Yeah. You know, first perspective. If you go to a country that's a majority black country or a Caribbean island, some of the islands have more conservative majorities or conservative values and thoughts. 
aren't there mostly black people there? <laughs> they all are, sell out there too. Right. So yeah. that's my point is, so you go to a country which is 70%, 72% self-identified white. If you want to look at America, then you've got breakups of different ethnicities and mix and whatever. So suddenly being black is really an anomaly. It's not. Yeah. Because... The problem with identity politics is it's based on this box you're supposed to be in. And you and I are talking about what do you believe in? And that's the difference. And that's why I like listening to you. That's why you and I get along, because we found our similarities, our differences. And we respect the fact that people come at things from different lanes. And a lot of times they want to get to a similar similar end, similar solution. Yeah. The ones that don't want to get to the end of the highway, don't want to get to the end of you know this series of lanes, they're the ones that are dishonest. Yeah, and those are usually the ones that want to control you somehow. Yeah, because, I mean, come on, you're Dave, you're supposed to think this way, and you look a certain way, and, you know, wow, why are you this way? But you know what, more people, over the years you've known me, and when I did the night show, and whether it was talking politics or values or talking about drinking a bourbon on the air or having a piece of pizza, People came along for what was there in the show. And then I would hear from them, wow, I finally saw you on TV, you're black. <laughs> and then their next comment, well, it doesn't matter to me. So there's a, an incredible, I think one of the most incredible moments in media in the last year happened on your show. Uh, this is what, about six, seven months ago, something like that? Yeah, it's a, yeah, about uh, seven, yeah. Yeah, you had Ariva Martin on. Ariva Martin's a CNN contributor. Uh, mm. I'm friendly with her. She was on my show a couple of years ago on, on The Rubin Report. Um, and she's a, she's a progressive. She went on your show, and uh, well, why don't we just play the audio? I've chosen to cross different parts of the media world, done the work so that I'm qualified to be in each one. I never considered my color the issue. I considered my qualifications the issue. Well, David, you know, that that's a whole nother long conversation about white privilege and things that you have the privilege of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of. How do I and have the privilege your, of white privilege? David, by virtue of being a white male, you have white privilege. This whole long conversation, I don't have time to uh, get Ariva, I hate to break it to I you, to but you should have been better prepped. I'm black. Okay, then I stand... See, you went to white privilege. privilege. This is the falsehood in this. You went immediately with an assumption. Your people, obviously, or you didn't look. You're talking to a black man. They who started out in rock radio in Boston, who crossed the paths into hip-hop, rebuilding one of the greatest black stations in America, and went on to work for Fox News, where I'm told apparently blacks aren't supposed to work, but yet you come with this assumption and you go to white privilege. David, That's actually David, insulting. It is, and I apologize because my people gave me wrong information. They, they told well, me... The whole white privilege thing is insulting. David, can, I, can I apologize and correct the record? I want to apologize. I was given wrong information about you, and I apologize. But based on my but color, white... you were going to something that I was part of. And just to add to it, my family background is white, black, Indian, Arawak, Irish, Scottish. I mean, it's so diverse. I'm like the UN when it comes to this. And this is part of the problem with driving a narrative around a construct like white privilege. Privilege is one thing where applied wealth, economy, uh, various social factors, but not necessarily determined by color of skin. To me, that is... Everything I've spent the last few years of my life talking about in a perfect wrapped package. It, it was a gift on a slow Tuesday. It really was. <laughs> so let me give a, the quick version, you know, of the backstory to this. One, they pitched my producers to come on my show. And when you get a pitch, <laughs> you look up your guest. You yeah. go, okay, what have they written? What stories? What have they appeared? You know, Google. Come yeah. on. Whatever search engine, you get some information, and somewhere along the way, you'd find out that, oh, that's the David Webb, happens to be a black guy. That's not what happened here. They pitched me. She came on. We had a, I don't know, I will say this. We had a good conversation about William Barr's nomination and everything, and the differences of opinions on jury, you know, jurisprudence and other things. And then it went to this idea where we talked about success and all of these issues that led to her commentary. 
And I said to her, I said, look, I started out, my color wasn't the factor, I, you just heard that. Started out in rock radio, went through all these things. And I realized after when I went back, I listened to everything I said to her, according to the way her mindset works, told her that I had to be white. Mm -hmm. But it also said something else. If you're black, you can't achieve these things based on the way she thinks, which is insulting. It's sad. It, it's, it's, a so, a it's a soft game. bigotry of low expectation based on the color of your skin. And then everybody's heard it. She threw her team under the bus. On average, a burglary happens once every 23 seconds in the US. Think about that, once in every 23 seconds. That's a lot of crime, and what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security, even when 83% of burglars admitted that they specifically look to see if there's an alarm system. So why don't you have one? I do. Simply Safe. Feel safer with Simply Safe. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24/7 professional monitoring. They make it easy. There's no contract, hidden fees, or fine print. Around-the-clock monitoring is just $15 a month. But one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. They're able to visually confirm that the break-in is happening, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than other home security companies. And for my listeners, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now. Go to simplysafe.com slash Ruben and get free shipping and a money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash Ruben today. Simplysafe.com slash Ruben. And now back to the show. Yeah, they didn't. Oh, wait, well, the line though that your her team wasn't didn't inform her. Didn't inform as if, her. As if that is that what they're well, maybe in the progressive world they go well. This person's gay and this person's black. Right. Per you know that actually would be a cohesive way to go on a show. Right? But but can you imagine what happened? She's there doing an interview. Did somebody go and slide a piece of paper over that said he's white? Yeah. And now you've got a white guy. She heard the things that fed what she expected of a white person, but never thought anyone can achieve this. And that's the difference between me, you, and her. So I, so I don't wanna, in any way, so she's not here to defend herself, so I don't wanna make this too much about her, but, but that mindset, do you think that after you said, well, you know, I'm black and the rest of it, do you think that that might've dinged her way of thinking a little bit. I think it got through to people online because that clip went viral. It, it, and it clearly was got through. Because yeah. you couldn't see each other. It was such a perfect example of what we're always talking about. Well, did it change her mind? I don't know. And look, you and I, I think agree on the fairness of being there to defend yourself. But what I did offer her was a conversation. And in the second clip, that doesn't get as much attention. And I've played it on radio. We played it on television. I asked her to come back and give, I said, I'll offer you an hour, come back, we'll talk about white privilege. And she accepted. So my team sent an email as a follow-up requesting her appearance. Story. And when I was asked on television, do you accept her apology? Because she gave that half-hearted apology. Yeah, it you wasn't know, really an apology. It wasn't you're, really you're an being, apology, it was, it was a, a deflection, yeah. which is different than an apology, obviously. Uh, when, when she did that, I gave her the chance for a conversation. When I was asked, do you accept her apology? I said, I really don't, but what I'm offering her is a conversation, and I have offered her the chance to come back. And she never came back. So the story's not just a clip of what she said and why she said it, but the fact is that she avoided the conversation that was offered based on what she asked for. Yeah. And what she agreed to. And that, to me, is a level of... Uh, and I have to say dishonesty. Well, because we, if someone does that to me, you know what, I'm gonna be man enough, or maybe a host enough, or a guest enough, whatever term you wanna use, to go in and say, I'm gonna come and present my point and defend it, if I believe in it. Yeah, well it just so it shows what I would say is just a thinness of the argument, because she could make an argument with her preconceived notions, mm -hmm. and then once they're blown apart, you say, all right, let's, let's talk it out for an hour, no yeah. problem disappears, and we, and we often see that. You get the accusation that you're a sellout, or this one's a racist, and then the second you push back, boom, they disappear. Then they disappear. They look to deplatform you, or whatever else is left. By the way, funny thing about this story, she's a CNN legal analyst. First time she, <laughs> I, I still laugh at this one. I mean, I'm doing my show. My producer, I think it was Edwin, jumped in my ear, and she said, look at the TV. Her first return that we know of to CNN was to comment on Jussie Smollett. 
There's karma yeah, in the yeah. universe. <laughs> it just the Lord works in mysterious ways. In very mysterious ways. But you know, I want I want people to take something from it, not just the audio clip which, you know, they've heard and and the stories that went all over. The story here is that offer someone a conversation, challenge them to come in, but use it to tell others that this is why you shouldn't assume, mm-hmm. believe, or or at least be willing to engage. And that was really what I took out of it. And I deliberately kept the story going from my pers- my perspective for others, not for her, because it was no longer about her. So as a guy that's that's worked through the radio uh, industry, which is a tough freaking industry that a lot of people want to get into. It's a, it's a great game. Don't do it. Yeah, don't right. do it. Uh, that's, Stay out. It's like comedy. It's like that's what everyone says. Don't do it. But if you can do it and survive, it's, yeah. it's pretty great. You get to do what you love for, for a living. I mean, were you see? I mean, the 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 precept, the the premise that she had there, that you would be fighting racism the entire time, going up through your career. Mm-hmm. Did you see it the entire time? Or when you walk into SiriusXM, are they uh, throwing stuff at you? Everybody has different experiences, and my belief system is part of our experiences are how we interact with the world. Uh, a couple bullet points: when I started in radio, I started in rock radio. Because I love the music. I grew up knowing a lot of the artists. So it was a natural fit. People didn't see me because I could talk about something they cared about. So I could sit down with uh, (laughs) a long hair, earring, tattooed guy at a Poison concert in 1987 with Lita Ford and White Snake, you know, and, uh, you know, or Joe Cocker, Stevie Ray Vaughan. And we could talk about things and. Amazingly, nobody kind of went to color because once you remove the veil by how you act, people may have a moment, but they tend to come over to your side. And when I went to entertainment talk and when I, I did a show with Willie D from the Ghetto Boys. All right, conservative David Webb, yeah, yeah. Willie D, Ghetto Boys, gangster rap out of the Fifth Ward in Houston. And we don't agree on politics, but we agreed on something, which was we were trying to save people in the black community. And Willie, I got to tell you, was one hell of a good guy on that. And that's what we did. We focused on what we could do together. So I didn't see the, the are there racists in the world? Yeah, did somebody have a bias against me? You know what? I don't care. Because I'm not going to let it stop me. If I can't go through you, I'm going to go around you. And that's my approach to it. And that's how my parents raised me. They said, find a path, work your way through it, and just do what you can to the best of your ability. And if you have to readjust, hey, that's life. Did you just say that slightly backwards, or do we just have a different approach on life? I would try to go around them before through them. You said through them first. Slight marine in me. <laughs> but, but, but the point yeah. is, go. You know, maybe yeah. maybe the better way to put it is work your way through it. Yeah. All right. Debate the issue. No, you want to go through them first. That, that's right. fine with me. But also the other point is, it's that one-to-one interaction or that idea-to-ID interaction. I've had my mind changed on criminal justice reform, for instance. And it was by a conversation with, or through a conversation with Bernie Carrick, former police commissioner. Mm-hmm. I'm all, I was hard on this, you know, this is ridiculous. You throw, I don't care why you chose to do that first thing you did it. But he walked me through it. And you know what, I was, during the show, during our hour-long interview, I said, you know, Bernie, you convinced me. I'm going to rethink this and I'll change my mind. That's a level of integrity that I ask everyone to go for. Yeah. So one of, uh, I know I've told you this story many times, and, and it's, in, it's in my book, my upcoming <laughs> book. So now I can be a guy that says Shh, that. No, um, but we're, we're being quiet about that except for pre-sales, right? No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still, we're still in pre-sale mode. Pre-sales but, are available. Yeah. Um, thank you. That was, uh, you'll, get your, you'll get your little tip Slide on that. Slide it over yeah, there. Yeah. Um, but I write about this in my book because I talk about my political awakening, and one of the key moments of the whole thing when I was on the Young Turks, far left network a long time ago, uh, and I was still a lefty, but I, I had this inkling that something was not right. That it couldn't be that everyone they disagreed with was racist, it couldn't be that they were so right and everyone else was so wrong. And then one day we're, we're doing a, there's four of us I think on the panel, and I believe you were guest hosting for Sean Hannity that night. Yeah, it was Sean. And uh, you know, I'm on the panel with, uh, I think it was three white guys, and they're all going, so they didn't know that I knew you. 
and they're all going, this David Webb guy, he's a, he's a uh, self-hating black guy, and he's a sellout. Give me some of the terms that you hear. Well, I believe that Fox News Uncle Tom. Oh, Uncle that's, Tom. That, so one, that was the one that you, really, yeah. because this was the whole idea. I had sold out because black people didn't belong here. Right. So, so I hear them saying all these things about you. Little do they know I'm your friend, and I'm watching them say these things, and that he, you know, he doesn't believe any of this stuff and all that, and we've worked through these issues so yeah. many times that I know you are honest and decent and believe the things that you talk about and and suddenly it hit me because then I look to this guy to my left and I think who's the bigot here who's really the bigot here is a black man who's saying what he thinks and you the the privileged in your own right. words white guy you're upset that a black man thinks something different than you want them to think who is the racist and it really was one of the one of the final straws uh, for me before I, I fully went into this uh, but, but crazy you know, mode or whatever you want to call this thing now, you know? Support for the Rubin Report comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home is so much more than a house, it's your own little slice of heaven. That's why when you find the perfect place for you and your family, getting a mortgage shouldn't get in the way. Imagine how it feels to have an award-winning team by your side through every step of the mortgage process. It's awesome and it's exactly what you get with Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Their team of mortgage experts is obsessed with finding a better way, which means that their number one goal is to make the home buying process smoother for you. Quicken Loans has helped millions of Americans achieve their dream of home ownership, and when you are ready to purchase the home of your dreams, they can help you too. Their team cares about getting you home. That's why J.D. Power has ranked Quicken Loans highest in customer satisfaction for primary mortgage origination nine years in a row and highest in mortgage servicing six years in a row. When you work with them, you get more than just a loan because Rocket Mortgage is more than just a lender. Get started online at rocketmortgage.com slash Rubin, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS consumeraccess.org number 3030. For J.D. Power Award information, visit jdpower.com. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Push button, get mortgage. And now back to the show. I've known you long enough, and I think I can say this. You're honest. And honesty and integrity is the core of what we do. Whether you're talking about, I don't care what the topic is or what the format is. If you have integrity and you have a point of honesty that stays there fixed, you know, the old true north. That's going to be your belief system. The other thing is, I've known you long to say you believe in doing the things, trying, ex- seeing what they're all about. I, I think yeah. I'm pretty close on yeah, that. Yeah. And I believe in the same thing because I've been in these situations before, like, or like the Areva situation. I've been in the situations like you talk about. And it's because I've gone out and looked around and taken a chance by experimenting with what's the idea, how do I counter it, can I substantiate or defeat the argument. And if I'm honest with myself and you're honest with yourself, eventually you see the dishonesty around you or the unwillingness to even engage in it. And that's what they were trying to do with the Young Turks because the video went viral and we covered it on TV. It was Fox News Uncle Tom, Tea Party founder. This was this. He had to be this. And I said, wow, you know nothing about me. Right. Well, that line also about, uh, well, because the whole meme was that the Tea Party was racist. Mm -hmm. And here's one of the Tea Party founders and here's a white guy saying (laughs) that the black guy's racist. Or that the black guy's racist. I don't think I can actually do it anymore. We've known each other way too long, but I'm going to blow maybe some listeners' minds. My Tea Party organization in New York City, right, the launch of the original, my executive director was a 50-year-old Democrat. She still is. My two guys Wait, she's that still a Democrat, still a Democrat. She, well, how she, would a, how did a fiscally, Democrat? Fiscally conservative, strong believer in the Constitution that we can have our differences. Old school Daniel Patrick Moynihan style Democrat. Yeah, Lisa, Lisa's a sweetheart. Yeah, the two guys because they were in the industry and the creative industry that ran my marketing had been partners for about thirty years. One of my other guys, my key guys, was an evangelical who'd never spent that much time in a room with two gay guys. <laughs> in that, and you know what they became friends. Yeah. So you start to see this mix of people because we had a common core and belief that this country needed to have a, a, an assessment of where it was. So I had a Tea Party group that wasn't, I guess, the right-wing evangelical, white hood-wearing you know, team going out there. And these were the people who had common beliefs. 
And I was in New York City, you know this, we had so many, such a range. And I'm proud of that because these people still talk to each other. I still hear from them. There was an FIT student. You know, it's just so odd to hear this range of ages. What, what do you make of, I'm glad that you mentioned Daniel Patrick Moynihan because when people ask me what kind of liberal I still believe that I am, it's getting harder to say it, but what kind of liberal I still am, I, I always say, well, I say JFK and Daniel Patrick Moynihan. And, and I'll say Ed Koch sometimes, too. And, oh, Ed was a great guy. And, and, I well, knew Ed well. He was one of the greatest guys out there. He, well, that he was a true New Yorker, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. was the mayor of New York for how many years? Like, good, a good 12 he, he was, years? Yeah, it was so, a 12 years, Something yeah. like that. And and he wanted to be out there with the people. And, and he, he wouldn't was, leave because he, he got buried there. <laughs> he literally did. But he, but he wanted to be out there with the people, mm-hmm. where now politicians really seem so disconnected from the people, and he had that, that feeling. Well, he not only had it, but he still has it. And I'll tell you why, we have a mutual friend, Ed and I, and Philip, and Philip would have receptions at his business, and I won't put his last name into it for the sake of, right, big, big player in the yeah. country, in law and other yeah. things. And he would have Ed Koch, and he would bring, uh, you name it, into this room, and we'd all meet, we'd all talk, and we'd all eat, and we'd share ideas. I. You know, spend some time with Rudy. I've known Rudy Giuliani for years. And Rudy and I, again, just, you know, probably, what, a week ago or so, and over the last several weeks, we've been talking about mayors. We'll sit out for dinner. It usually ends with cigars and scotch and having a good time. And he, he recognizes Ed for who he is, and he recognizes Bloomberg for who he is. Why? Because these men, while they had their differences, had a similarity. New York City. Mm-hmm. Rudy told me the story. I didn't know the story of how Ed got buried at Trinity. Because he's Jewish. And how they came up with this, they found this rabbi who explained that you could consecrate a part of this cemetery for his burial. And there's a respect between them. Yeah, they know their differences, but there's a healthy respect because of their commonality. And that tells you something. And I'll throw a name in there for you, Jack Kemp. A Jack Kemp Republican. Mm -hmm. Jack was another guy. These are men who are not out of their time. They need to have... More people like them. Yeah, but I think that those guys that you're talking about, that is that middle that I think a bunch of us now are trying to give some energy to, and I, I do believe it's working. So that, that's what makes us want to do it. But do you, you would prefer that that Daniel Patrick Moynihan or Ed Koch or JFK return strongly to the Democrats, right? Even if, even if it costs you guys, let's say the Republicans, you would still prefer to have a, an honest broker to deal with, right. right? Well, I mean, first of all, I believe we're still going to win. But <laughs> come on, I got it. Yeah, no, yeah. But, no, but here, here's what should happen. I think we need more um, real parties. And, and here's one of my disappointments with libertarians. You have Republican, you have Democrat. I do prefer they would come back and resurge. But I don't believe in just the two-party system. I want a multi-party system. Not too many like in Israel where... 60,000 people can literally change the makeup of your country. Right, you can have an absurdly <laughs> tiny have, party. You can, you can have an absurd amount. Yeah. But over the years, from Ron Paul, who I think failed the libertarians massively because he didn't build an infrastructure, I've said to libertarians, build your state parties, find a few key states, build an infrastructure, because in politics you need an infrastructure, and, and grow your party so that you can have a debate. Mm-hmm. You can have a real third party, a viable third party. Right, but they don't do that work. They just go for the presidency every four years, and then it's just like... You, you know, and if you go for the marketing and you don't build a good product, you know what you have? Failure. Yeah, and it's worse than failure in a way because it's then you look more ridiculous each time. Yeah, like, I mean, well, when you get the outliers that come out and they, they're so ridiculous, and people go, well, why would I want to be a part of that crazy? But do you, as a Republican, do you fear that, okay, so let's say they're libertarians, a lot of libertarians mm-hmm. watch this show, obviously, most of my political leanings are libertarian. Um, wouldn't you fear that what that does then is, all right, now we get a libertarian party that's at 10%, it just took 8% of that from the Republicans, congratulations, we now have socialist... Uh, Comrade Elizabeth Warren. I, I don't, and I'll tell you why. One, like you, I believe in the Constitution and the system. And when I was a kid, my father said, you know, and I don't remember the exact words, but basically, real strength, real conviction is that when something doesn't benefit you, is it the right thing? You know, in other words, the right thing. So the Constitution is my guide. And the fact that we can have this debate and the ability to correct in this country. 
We have a cultural DNA in the Declaration of Independence. We have a legal DNA in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And we have the Federalist Papers and other things. But what it frames is this idea that the country can self-correct. The Supreme Court can make a decision. The other branches can get involved with their respective roles. And we can correct things. We, we've fixed things in this country. And it's difficult, and it should be. We don't want easy flip-flops. So I don't fear a libertarian party that's strong. I want it because I think it can help the other parties self-correct. You know, more strength, more voices, not less. More strength, to me, is better. A, a strong nation is less challenged. Yeah. by outsiders. Would I want a weak nation? Well, I want a stronger nation. And, I, and we can weather the challenges. Yeah. As, for, as for the socialists, we do have an issue here in this country. And I think there is a level of ignorance, willful ignorance, and ideology combined that's dangerous. And the thing is, when it magnifies enough and it gets a loud voice, and it's used and abused by many out there who actually don't even know the difference, that's a danger because what it does is it robs people of the the part of their life, especially when you're younger, when you should be building towards your future. And once you've lost a chunk of that, how do you get it back? That's a danger. Yeah. So what do we do to change the factory settings of how people are brought up? It's a it's a phrase that my friend Bridget <laughs> Fetazy came up with related like to it. this. Who uh, I think it's really perfect. That basically the factory settings, if you grow up in America are all sort of lefty or democratic factory settings. You know, we should take from some and give to the other. The government is somehow inherently good. Mm -hmm. all, all of these, po the policies of the Democrats are just like the thing that you're just sort of basically taught. And then you go from there, where in my view, the factory settings we should all get would actually be very libertarian. It would be all about freedom and individual rights and individual liberty. And then you figure out, well, where do we actually need government? And that's why I still consider myself a classical liberal and not a libertarian, because I do believe there is some utility for the state. It's just, it's just real politics, right? Oh, man, I want to jump in. Yeah, so how do we... I love, I love do we, this, by right, the way. You no, well, well but this is, this is what we would do normally. So, would do normally. so what I would prefer is if education would get everybody to the point of understand the Constitution, understand the documents you just laid out so that we are free first. Right. Then let's have the argument about when we, when we need government. But we do it the other way. We do it that the government is inherently good. They gave you all the rights. They're supposed to give you this stuff and free this, free that. Mm -hmm. And then occasionally somebody on the right can come in and maybe move that down a little bit. But it seems to me that we're doing this thing upside down. For small business owners or people who are building a brand or even podcast producers like me, being plugged in and prepared when an opportunity comes up is crucial. It happens more than you think. I meet people who I want to interview, I hear stories I want to talk about, and I need to connect with the right people. Having a polished professional business card is the first step in making it happen. Vistaprint helps you take advantage of opportunities. You can own the now with free shipping on any business card in any quantity. You choose whatever style, font, finish, shape, or paper you like and create cards that are as unique and compelling as you are. Vistaprint wants you to be able to own the now in any situation, which is why our listeners will get free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity. Just go to vistaprint.com and enter promo code RUBIN for free shipping on all business cards, any style, any quantity. Limited time offer. Own the now at vistaprint.com, promo code RUBIN. You support our show when you support our sponsors. And now back to the show. Decades of building a political system that's based on a career, not service, uh, building a support system in a bureaucracy and call it large interest, whatever that interest may be that supports the bureaucracy. We have a system that more resembles a dinosaur in too many ways, which is a small brain, a huge animal, an inefficient system, and one that doesn't recognize it's received a death blow on one end of the body because the brain is not equipped for it. And that's what I see in where we are now. The self-correct on this, I think, is more evident in parts of the country that don't get the attention. Uh, Lyman, Wyoming, Cheyenne, uh, somewhere out in Paxton, Nebraska, in other areas where people don't wake up every day and see things the way you and I do. Don't check the, the Twitter of the president. <laughs> don't check Sanders. War. You know, they, they don't live in this. Those are the people we have to engage. I still believe, and I see it anecdotally, and I think it's supported by a lot of the studies, 
that there are more people in this country that if they're engaged are that silent majority. Now, whether they're right or left, I think they fall more in the American cultural value system. Mm -hmm. They don't fear freedom, but maybe they don't understand fully the risk and reward that comes with freedom. There's, there's risk. Yeah. There, there's risk when what you're describing happens when we go upside down. When it comes to freedom, we've got to realize that it's inherent risk and reward is why it works. And I think there are more of those people out there that are coming to that center. The problem is they haven't been engaged properly by either party, and they need to be brought into it. What do we do then to make a more, let's say, inclusive right? This is this is one of the interesting things that I find right now. Most of my audience is, it's a little hard to say, but I would say it's something like half of my audience is probably former lefties, and a huge percentage of those people, they're still like, ah, those people on the right, like I may think the left's <laughs> nuts, but those people on the right are really nuts. If everybody's nuts, who's sane? Right, yeah. No, I mean, so really, think about it, question. if everybody's nuts, who's sane? But that's what I'm trying to show them, that it's not the case, because what I have consistently seen is that the right, while not being perfect and nothing is, something like gay marriage, for example, the right, now has basically, well, nobody talks about gay marriage anymore. Nobody's fighting for gay mm-hmm. marriage to be reversed. There is literally nobody doing it. The voices in the Republican Party that were rabidly against it, say a Mike Huckabee and a, and a Rick Santorum, really have no power in the Republican Party anymore. So I've seen an ability to, to be flexible intellectually on the right. What is it that you guys can do to, to further that? If you think that that's a good thing to do. Well, no, I, I think it is a good thing to do to evolve. I, again, I, I, I trust the Constitution, the people to make, as a whole, the better choice. Not pure democracy, not mob rule, but to make a better choice based on some things that they do control and some things they don't control. Uh, back in the 80s, if you had a black friend, you were cool. By the mid to late <laughs> 80s, if you had a gay friend, oh, you were really cool. Yeah. If you had both, you were like, Man, I'm hanging in the club and I'm Man, good. Man, we had a time machine, I, I, we could make a lot exactly, of cool people. <laughs> exactly. But there's a truth there because yeah. what happened? Generations started to evolve. Those people who were cool suddenly saw people differently. You know, like how teammates see each other. I know you may come from that side and that side, but we're playing on the same team, which is the American team. So as the generation evolves, the parties didn't always evolve. The Republican Party failed to engage blacks and urban neighborhoods because they had a strategy from 85 with the evangelicals. I get it, reality of political party, right? Mm -hmm. Red state, blue state, Republican, Democrat county, carve them up, you get your wins, I get mine, we play with redistricting. So the parties failed, but the culture's evolving and the party has to come along eventually. Problem is the party takes longer to come along. I don't have to agree with someone and that's not required neither is my offense or someone else's offense necessary because it's about freedom. And I think the people will drag it along, which is why I still hold more faith in the millennials than people on the right or left do. Are there ones that are troublesome? Yes. But are there more of them in this country when you do as I do, and I've been to every state and I've talked to people and I see more people who are saying, just let me live. Let me do what I can do to get my life where it is and stop trying to sell me on what I need to believe. Yeah, and we're really seeing that now with the generation behind the millennials, you know, the the 16-year-olds now who are not, you know, the 22-year-old social justice warrior. Right, that, the virtue the way, signaling crowd. Yeah. yeah, that they now, their younger brothers and sisters are now going, well, something ain't right with that. But, but it's happened before. Yeah. See, this is, go back to the 80s for a minute. Let's go back. Was it Let's back to back. the future? The 80s were all right. Re- yeah. The rewind machine or this way. Yeah. Um, what happened for blacks in this country? You had a large influx during the growth of the HBCUs, you know, the real growth. You had affirmative action. You had more blacks going to colleges. You had all of this come out of the 70s and 80s. But it took time for them to graduate and kind of grow into the system. So they couldn't stop the march of blacks economically. Culture, yeah, historical voting, Democrats, parents of Democrats, grandparents, still there. Mm. But this slow erosion of you belong to us started back then. So Blexit isn't new, just the recognition of, recognition of the term 
is new. It's happening anyway. Right. You're buying a little spot of land. You're buying a town home. You're keeping your credit rating up. Now you're sending your kids to someplace better. What's happening? That's the evolution of generations. So I'm glad you mentioned Blexit because I wanted to bring up Candace related to all of this. So it seems to me that part of the reason that the Democrats are now screaming about reparations is because Candace Owens has been so almost single-handedly effective at talking to the, it's, I hate the phrase, the black community or the gay community, I, hate, I just hate that. Mm. But talking to black America, let's say, which also has, right. has its limits as a phrase. Yeah. But talking to black people and just saying, she always says it, she says it's the least, what I'm really saying is the least controversial thing you could say, which is black people don't have to be Democrats. Yeah. Nobody has to be a, anything. You, you're not born with a stamp, you yeah. know. The, oh my God, look, it's a black baby. Democrat, yeah. white baby, Republican. <laughs> right. So she always says her message actually, uh, even though she can throw some firebombs out there for sure, her message actually is incredibly uncontroversial in a normal society, but it seems to me that she caused such upheaval in the way that the media talks about mm -hmm. black people, uh, and that that after Kanye tweeted that thing, that suddenly all the hit pieces on Kanye. It's like that same game we always see with yeah. you know he's he should be in a mental institution. He's a sellout. He's, he's an a, Uncle Tom. Yeah, he's the house Negro. He's got Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, you've that heard one, all these. By the you've heard them all. But but it seems to me that she caused such a uh, awakening that now reparations have become the norm on the left. When Barack Obama would have never thought about talking about reparations. And, and he, in a way now, is a dinosaur of the Democrats. He comes off now, a guy that I'm guessing you disagree with on pretty right. much every policy, now comes off as pretty center, wouldn't you say, relative to the, to the crew now? Well, appearances can be deceiving. I'll leave that on the table with him because I watched his history to where he got. But here, here's what's happened in a lot, in large part in the black community and in the American community, because I like you, I don't like the yeah. segregation, but I recognize the reality of what it is. Uh, blacks and whites and any other ethnic group in America have started to look at their personal life and their economy and their opportunity more than they're looking at parties. So the message will resonate more when a Candace Owens steps up mm -hmm. and says, step away. What did Trump do during the campaign cycle? It was blunt, but it was, what the hell do you have to well, you lose? lose? And you know what? How many people say, something's not working in my life, what the hell do I have to lose? Let me try something else. It was that recognition that something's broken, right? Somebody pulled a fire alarm. There's a problem. Everybody's running around. Their hair's on fire. Lights and sirens are going off. But they already knew something was wrong. So now they're wondering, hmm, so what do you do if you're left, that I call it the regressive, progressive left? What do you do? You now have to create enemies and fear and fear works you tell people you don't have it because those damn republicans i know you've been living in baltimore with 50 years of liberal rule and and west baltimore is a s-hole and this is it because you're living with it but it's the white guy living over in howard county's fault yeah right all right so right, right. really yeah or every time that somebody brings up i mean hannity deals with this all the time you know, if he brings up the shootings in Chicago and he talks about the black on black mm -hmm. violence in Chicago, they tell him he's racist. And it's like, well, how come when the black, you guys aren't talking about it? How come when the black criminal uses the gun to commit a crime in a majority black neighborhood, it's the criminal's fault. But when the white guy uses a gun, it's the gun's <laughs> fault. We all try and be healthy, but sometimes it's a struggle. Maybe you don't have time to get to the market for fresh fruits and vegetables. Have you tried Athletic Greens? I have, and I absolutely love it. It tastes great, and you don't have to drink a ton to get all the benefits. Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily is the obsessively researched all-in-one nutritional support containing 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food ingredients. Just one scoop contains essential vitamins and minerals, prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes, and more. You get convenient and comprehensive nutritional insurance that supports your gut health, energy, and immunity. Athletic Greens also makes travel packs so you can keep up your healthy routine on the road. It's time to focus on your health and feel your best. Athletic Greens takes the guesswork out of everyday good health, and it does it without compromising on taste or quality. Why not just try it? Jump over to athleticgreens.com slash Ruben and claim my special offer today. 20 free travel packs valued at 79 bucks with your first purchase. That's athleticgreens.com slash Ruben. That's athleticgreens.com slash Ruben. 
athleticgreens.com slash Ruben. Start your day right and good things will follow. And now back to the show. Somebody please sort that one out for me. Yeah, that would cause some heads to explode. Yeah, but this is this is simple stuff. People are starting to see this. Technology and social media. You and I are, you know, on on all these different platforms, podcasts, YouTube, Fox Nation, whatever. Technology and social media is piercing the veil. More and more kids, whether they're still getting the same images or getting more images, more imagery, more information on smartphones, on tablets, on computers. Little by little, that is piercing the veil. And in whether you're in a bad neighborhood, good neighborhood, everywhere in between, you know, that information's out there. So we have a job to do, you and I. Give people the information, help guide them. Yes, we, our beliefs are our beliefs. We have a right to push those out there. But help guide people to not only listen to why we believe what we do, but at the same time, go figure out what your beliefs are and then substantiate them. And technology, media, social media, all of this, look, it can be misused, abused, and it is. Yeah but it can be used and targeted. Where are you at on the uh, regulation of the big tech companies? Because it's a really fascinating one right now, but you've got Tucker Carlson, I'll do my, this hand, you've got mm. Tucker Carlson on the right, <laughs> and you've got Elizabeth Warren on the left, both calling for the same thing, which is a pretty fascinating political spot. And I think maybe I told you this privately, but when I went to YouTube and I met with Susan Wojcicki, the, the CEO of YouTube, in her office, or in the conference room, and. I said, I'm basically the last guy not calling for regulation. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to play the libertarian thing. I'm still trying to find market answers to this. Um, but that's, that's becoming an increasingly uh, more minority position. Why they're calling for Tucker or Warren? Two different reasons based on their ideologies. And I'm with you. I'd, this is a longer term view. I don't want government stepping in and having a hand in something because you can never get their hand out of it or you can rarely get their hand out of it. Pretty much. I believe in the free market. It's a patient game. It's a long term. Somebody, look, somebody else is going to come along with technology soon. Artificial intelligence. Exactly. And I know others that are working on competitive models. So whether it's five years, 10 years, they will have something in competition or they will evolve or age out. That's the nature of business. And I think that can work. But government getting involved is a danger because of this simple reason. If you're a congressman, it's a two-year cycle. If you're a president, it's four, maybe eight years. If you're a senator, it's six years. So they think in cycles. And when the cycle changes, their solution, which rarely is the one you want, is more dangerous because somebody else can come along and change it, misinterpret it, write a new regulation, and ignore the basic principles of let it work out. And I say this to Republicans, I get it. Look, my Facebook page, somehow just basically, people, they don't get my feeds. Yeah. For a year plus, I've been effectively shut down. I, I literally have lost 90% of my reach at times. Yeah, they changed some metrics, but I didn't lose 90% overnight. Right. Yeah, 90% didn't just drop. Right, and the fact that they're so untransparent makes you half the time think you're a conspiracy theorist. And then in a weird way, they're playing off that, right? Right. They never give you any information so that they go, oh, we changed the algorithm a little bit. It's a fan page. You're supposed to pay. Like, they're always trying to keep you guessing so that you don't even feel comfortable talking about it because you don't want to sound like Well, the difference between conspiracy and reality for me is probability and possibility. What is probable, what is possible, and on the ends you have, you know, the reality, which we may never know, and the conspiracy. I don't want government becoming the overlord of any publishing platform. However, I do want the antitrust regulations to be reviewed. Mm -hmm. I do want the responsible bodies with oversight that we've elected them to do to go in and say, okay, Technologies evolve, companies have evolved. Does antitrust mean this? Are they acting like a mono, like a monopoly and a monolithic body and are allow- others allowed into the marketplace, which is different than Facebook saying Instagram, I want to buy you, that's fine. Yeah. Even if I don't like what some of the so, effects so could be. So you are, so this, so your, your premise, your starting point, I would say, is, is basically the libertarian position, but then you're, you're just saying this has gone so extreme that you we need kinda, to review you it. You have to do some stuff that you don't want to do, or well, at least, I, actually, I don't. I maybe don't want them to do anything, but I but at want least think about think about it and go. Look, Warren wants control. Right. That's what she wants. 
She doesn't want freedom. She wants control. I just have to base that on her writing since college, her papers that I have read, her policy positions. Well, that's the danger also because they call half of us Nazis. So once they have the power, what do you think they're going to do to all the Nazis? They would believe it's their moral duty to get rid of the rest of us. That's why you don't want the government and the tech companies in bed together. I don't want to make in that decision. And where it goes wrong in our country, we do self-correct. In 240. 42? 40-ish. 40-ish. 43? Right. But even just, okay, let's even just go back to the Constitution and when it was really, and the Bill of Rights and when that was put in place. In these years that this country has been around, what have we gotten right over what we've gotten wrong? We've evolved. We've reversed the blight of slavery, the Atlantic slave trade, women's rights under Calvin Coolidge, by the way, a Republican and his wife, Grace Coolidge, who fought for that. Uh, Look at all the things we've done and what we've exported. We've exported ideas and freedom. The nation's imperfect because we're imperfect. We'll make mistakes. But our ability to correct them is based in something that's the core of this country. And I have more faith in that that I do in the others. Now that doesn't mean we don't need, you know, sheepdogs out there to watch for the wolf who's hiding in the woods. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that we don't have to protect because the fact is the majority of people are sheep. Not in necessarily a bad way, I'm not insulting all people, but the majority of people go along in their daily life, they make it work. They make the economy work, the engine work, they drive the trucks work, and the stores work on Wall Street. But sheepdogs are the ones who look out for what's right and what's wrong, even if they don't agree with it. Mm-hmm. And we need more of that sheepdog approach. Yeah, well, we need, a little, we need a little bit of, let's think about what we might be getting ourselves into instead look, of knee-jerk response. Look beyond what you think. That's why I'm afraid, I, I said I'm afraid of politicians in this sense. They think in cycles. And we need long-term thinking. If a company makes a decision economically on a factory or something based on a 20 to 30-year projection of trends and supply lines and uh, distribution and avenues for their products, whatever the case may be, why are we thinking in two, four, and six-year periods? That's incredibly short-sighted and dangerous. Yeah. And that's something we ought to consider. So you're basically a Trump guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I I, I am a Trump supporter, uh, and I, you know, knowledge of him before he was president and now, and what I do or may not disagree with or agree with, but I have seen him do something amazing in this country. He broke the emergency glass and said, they're not working for you. He didn't say Republicans, they're not working for you, Democrats, they're not working for you. Came down the escalator and said, folks, it's not working. That's how I see him. Yeah. Is there anything that just personality-wise or anything that, that worries you or do you feel it's a little playing with fire or something like that? Because no, for, for all the lefties that I told you about before yeah. that are coming, that are saying, okay, conservatives, we got you. You're, you're mm. not what we thought. Libertarians, you're certainly not what we thought. There's this other firewall or something that's related to Trump that Look. I think... Anybody that big a figure, he exaggerates at times. I've had private conversations. I've had public interviews. So I I see him in different ways. I've seen him also in ways that I wish more people would recognize. I wrote an article about his interaction with a terminal cancer patient. He didn't even know I was writing. Actually, I didn't know I was writing it, but I kind of made that interaction happen, and no cameras, no nothing. So I've seen different sides of him. you know, the tweeting at times, I'm like, I would have done it better, different. I can actually tell them, I would have done it better, okay, really. Um, <laughs> but is, but always, people always say that, that it's the tweeting that, that they can't get over. But, but, but it's like, he did break the system by tweeting. So no, the no, idea Obama, that we, Obama had a Twitter account, Trump weaponized it. Yeah. He made it a weapon because otherwise he would be constantly assailed and have no outlet. And media failed here because if media was fair, I really believe there would be less of this barrage. If you've been under assault, and you and he has, he has been under assault, and he's a counterpuncher. And yes, he's big and look bigger than life. Television personality, personality as a whole, who he is from his younger. I kind of go, that's it. But what I do is I go underline, like the river. There's this big rough water up top, and then you go along and you see what runs deep. The policies. 
the work being done by the agencies, HUD, the, the, the Small Business Administration, changes in regulation, unleashing parts of America that need to build, that can outlast his presidency. Uh, full disclosure, I'm part of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, founded by Forbes, Cudlow, Laffer, and, and more. And before Trump, we were working on this pro-growth policy approach. We all have our roles. I'm not the economist. I can convey the policy message. But this is what was put in place. Bring in a team of rivals, find a way to swim with the sharks, try to make it so that the foundation changes, evolves, and is better, and then let that go to work. And when you're out of the White House, because he will be, despite all the people that think he's not leaving the White House. <laughs> but I saw a meeting I, that said 2044. Yeah, but. look, there are times I just like, Donald, please don't. But when you talk to the guy and you sit in a room, and I know people that have known him a lot longer than I have, you, you have this different personality. And I think that's not that different for many of these public figures. How much uh, attention do you think people should pay to all of this? That's one of the things, you know, when I did my off-the-grid mm -hmm. August, that was one of the things that I spent a lot of time thinking about, that we all care, we want to be engaged, people that watch these shows, that watch mm -hmm. your show, it's like, there's a beauty, in a weird way, for as hysterical as everyone seems, there's a beauty right now, because people are actually reevaluating what they think, they're reevaluating what side they're on, they're reevaluating who they can talk to, so there is a beauty to it that that is under the layer yeah. of craziness. But sometimes I am worried that the obsession with all of this, the, the obsession with either what Trump tweeted or the latest stupid thing that AOC said, it, it's keeping us really off balance just as people, or, or it's just not healthy for a society. No, I mean, there's an unhealthy aspect of it. If you, when I say you the person, don't understand it for what it is, or at least try to. Maybe none of us, I think, fully understands, even ourselves, because we all grow, evolve, different experiences. Well, now you I get know, deep on me. This is usually I, three I, bourbons in. Yeah, well, you know, excuse me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like to order. Uh, no, seriously, I, I know what Twitter is. All right, let's use Twitter as an example, or any social media. So I go on and I throw a grenade in the room and I walk away and I see what happens because I know what it is. It's a toy. You know, you go out for a month and I throw something and leave for 24 hours and watch Alyssa Milano's husband go nuts on me. Fine. People don't understand that some of this isn't real life. You can convey real life using the platform, but is it really real life to who's, you? Whose bio is it on Twitter that says Twitter is not real life? Who's, who's that again? <laughs> I don't know who that is, but whoever it is. Pretty wise guy. Pretty huh? wise guy. Yeah. And, 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 you know, social media and all these components are not that. This, with people watching, and I hope they're interacting with us by thinking for themselves at the same time, <clears throat> excuse me, same time, that's real life. And realize that these are tools. People, you know, they hate, you get it on Twitter. You're this, you're that. I have, a, I have an entire file, <laughs> but I don't keep the file because I need to know the file. I keep the file because I'm like, wow, that was pretty. I go like, clever, you need to improve on that. Can you do better? I've heard that one before. <laughs> you know, and I, it is nice when you get like a truly original one and you're yeah. like, I, I give him credit. I don't agree with what you say, but I, I have a guy on Twitter. I think it's Rick Rock or whatever, and he's you know a Jersey guy, and he will occasionally come at me. You know, but when I put up something, and he he has the guts to say, "Yeah, okay, I can think of that," and then five seconds later, it's, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. I got to ask you. I don't know that I've ever asked you this. Your voice, which is an all-star radio voice, did you always have that deep? gravelly. I know you've had some surgery over the years on, yeah. on your throat and stuff, but did you always have that from, from when you were I, I always had the deep voice, you know, when puberty ends, you find out which way, yeah. <laughs> which way it's going. Yeah. Uh, I, I had one polyp, but that didn't really make a difference, thank God. Yeah. You know, that didn't do it. Um, it's just there. It's what I have. Okay, some of it, to be fair, is tired and working from time to time, and you talking. go through that. I mean, I was up at 3 a.m. this morning flying through three cities just to get. I came across states just to get here. But it's also part of the coaching and the delivery that we all do. So professionally, you and I do what we do. What do we focus on? Our delivery. And don't worry about what you don't have because, little secret, I don't like to listen to my shows. I, I hated yeah. air check sessions. <laughs> I hated sitting there with my PD. Oh, God, I got to listen to myself too. Really. But you have to check and you have to do it. Use what you got. 
Somebody's going to like it. Somebody's not going to like it. Just be what it is. And there's a lot of guys out there with deeper voices than me. They're not all named Barry White. <laughs> you ever guest host any of the uh, rock channels now? Was that really your passion before? Uh, I, I grew up with music and entertainment. Always loved music. Never had the talent to play. Yeah, I played around the drums a little, the piano, you know, typical things. But I know music in all its forms. There's classical that I like, there's rock, there's metal, there's hip hop, there's a, but I always seem to fall into music and entertainment. When Rapper's Delight came out of East Orange, oh. New Jersey, I was in high school at the same time DJing, so we got to know each other. When Casey and the Sunshine Band uh, were coming out, when all these things were coming together, I was in New York for the music scene. When, you know, Late Nights at the Palladium, when uh, Blondie would come in, uh, when uh, Pat Benatar, Billy Squire, the Ramones, Joey and Dee Dee, you know, when all this thing, the China Club, Late Nights, Nordoff Robinson. So I grew up with this. And what I have a love for is I respect art. Same way you respect a painting or a beautiful classic car. It's a creation. So I always love that. I love music. It's how I get away. You get away for a month. Yeah. I crank it up and I go. And I will go through the moods, man. I, I will put on Mazurkski uh, and play pictures at exhibition. Or I'll put on the ELP version and listen to Greg Lake, who was a longtime friend, play his version. Just... It depends. It's like bourbon and scotch. It's my mood. It's lifestyle. I think we did it all, my man. No, we got lots more to go. Is there more? Is there <laughs> you, more? You and I, okay, I, I'll bet the day when your hair is gone, yeah. although you do have beautiful hair. Well, it's, you know, it's a lot of spray in there. Let's face it, I've got gravel. He yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we will, we're not going to wait five years. How about that? No. Oh, wait, I'm doing. I'm literally doing. You're, your you're show literally tomorrow. doing uh, my show tomorrow. So there you go. For more on that, David, follow him on the Twitter. Although he throws some bombs at David Webb Show and grenades. <laughs>